and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And for the first time in three episodes, I've actually managed to say it right first take. Uh, because I've been getting that slightly wrong for the last few weeks. Anyway, my good friend Jason Hunt is there on screen looking resplendent. How are you, Jay? I'm very good, thank you. Um, Yeah. Is that it? Nothing else? Well, I don't know what to say. Um, I've ordered some new pickups this week. That was quite exciting, but, you know, other than that, not done a fat lot. You see, you've got a, a very, very... You've got a guitar story there, and that's great. You're ever the professional. I've had a guy round to repair my garage door. It, <laughs> it doesn't quite work the same way, does it? No. Really? Cool. Uh, we are joined tonight uh, by Neil Iverson. Uh, and Neil Iverson is the Iverson in Iverson Guitars. Uh, evening, Neil. How are you? Very well, thank you, gents. Very well indeed. Yeah, nice to be here. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. For the first time, actually, the first time we've met. It is, yeah, and it, it's the first time I've ever done a, a podcast of any description, so, uh, yeah, be gentle. I, I shouldn't worry about it, but it doesn't matter how many you do, you don't get a right lot better at them. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't you have a radio show? Uh, well, I did for a while, yeah, actually, a, a lockdown radio show, a Americana show on uh, what was uh, BFM radio, yeah. That was good fun. So you, new and different. You, you must be quite used to yacking into a microphone well, with I no suppose, one listening. Yeah. But it's, it's more—it's more talking to yourself, isn't it? That's the thing. It's, uh, <laughs> you just, yeah, you, you hope somebody's there listening. Whereas I, now I, I know I have an audience of two, so it's, uh, <laughs> we could switch our cameras off if it makes it, it makes it makes you feel more at home. Just start playing music. Yeah. That's the trouble. <laughs> and you said Americana. Yeah. Ah, oh, is that that a? A musical passion, very much so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, country Americana roots uh, stuff. That's where where I'm at. Have at you moment. found that's a genre that's growing? Very much so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's because it's it's all encompassing, really. Americana. I mean, it's not. There's not. It's it's so. It's such a big. Um, there's also such a large umbrella, rather, over so many styles. I mean, there's lots of blues in it, there's there's rock in it, there's, you know, sort of very trad country, there's sort of uh, alt country, new country. It's, it's all under this Americana umbrella, really, which is singer-songwriter stuff as well, you know. Um, but, it, I mean, it genuinely song-based, guitar-based with harmonies, that sort of thing, would you would class as Americana, or I would certainly class as Americana. I um I got to know a band a few years ago. I don't know if they I don't think they're going actually anymore. Called Dexeter, and they oh, were yeah. more slightly country mm-hmm. uh, end of the spectrum, slightly country, but 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 certainly uh, you know uh, definitely crossover. And through knowing those guys, I didn't realise how strong that scene had become in the UK. Mm. It's uh, there's there's a lot of music around what you would class as 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 like you say either new country or old country or the whole Americana thing. It seems to be quite quite buoyant yeah it, well it's grown all the time and, and you know it, it sort of started off sort of 70s when it was very stetson and you know country and western uh festivals and and you know yeah. sort of gunfights and that sort of thing and then it's it slowly evolved into this great you know real buoyant exciting uk scene um which and there's there's lots of americana festivals um, black deer uh, long road 
there just for two um buckle and boots or another one um but yes it's a really good scene and a, a lot of the american bands you know <coughs> want to come over and uh, and play the uk because because they, they they feel that they're they're really appreciated here you know so it's uh, yes it's really good what was the name of that band that ian we've got a, a listener who came on the podcast what was his band Win town marshals okay well, they're, they're great too. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's kind of it's one of those awkward things, isn't it? When someone says, "I'll send you my CD," and you're like, "Yeah, okay, great," and actually, it's bloody brilliant. Oh, right, <laughs> it okay. really is. Very good, very good. Thank yeah. you, Ian. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, my mate. Um, you probably know. Um, do you know uh, Roy and Jackie at the Madhouse in Birmingham Rehearsal Studios? It's not called yes. the Madhouse anymore. It's called Uproar now. But yeah, yes, I, I've met them once. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, Oh, he does a night upstairs, doesn't he? Yeah. Ginger told well, me they, about that. They did one country night upstairs um, that kind of went okay sort of thing, but they've got the uh, asylum venue next door, which is 600 cap, I think. Right. And um, Roy gave me a call a couple of weeks ago, and he said, apparently you're the person to talk to about country music. And I was like, well, sort of. Um, I, I, I kind of like the old country side mm. of it, um, which... You know, for want of a better description, is punks that have put down the electric guitars and picked up acoustic guitars. I think really yeah, is that yeah, yeah. kind of vibe. And so I went with um, Steve from Blackstar, who's really into kind of like uh, new country and more traditional country than I am, and um, gave Roy loads of information, like pages and pages of artists he should check out and stuff like that. So we're hoping that, fingers crossed. As soon as kind of this weird period's ended, we'll have a country night in Birmingham. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah. Because Steve's band, great, aren't they? Um, yeah. They, they, what's, oh, Gasoline and Matches. Gasoline and Matches, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do a lot, of the, um, a lot of the festivals too. They do Buckle and Boots and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They are told, told you we'd swerve off into a different yeah, direction. Yeah, there you go. Point. Well, that's, well it's, been, it's been a pleasure, lads. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> love, it. Love, love it to see you. Yeah, all, see the, you. all the best. <laughs> so I suppose we should really start with um, I, I, I was reading an interview with you I think I think it was from the uh, Guitar Mag and uh, it says it all started for you with um, Status Quo and you you went to see him at the NEC yeah um, 21st of December 1993 uh, uh, what was it um, called the four gigs in a row they, they did a tour after that I should know this um Rock Till You Drop Tour. There you go. Right. FM was supporting the loudest band I've ever heard in my entire life. My 11-year-old really? self. My 11-year-old oh, were self were, <laughs> uh, was completely shocked and, and scared to death by FM. Um, and then, <laughs> then Quo came on and, and it was just a, a lightning bolt moment, if, if ever there was one. See, I had the same, but I'm older than you. Um, so I was um, doing my homework. Uh and it must. It was 1982 because it was one plus nine plus eight plus two, okay, equals twenty years of quo. Do you remember that album? Uh, I do. Dear John's yes. on it, yes. and um, they were doing a Prince of Prince of Wales trust gig at the NEC, okay, which I did. I didn't go, but it was broadcast live on the BBC, and I watched it on my tiny little black and white portable TV, and I was really into Adam and the Ants and Shaking Stevens at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never heard anything like status quo 
in my life before. And it was right. just like, right, I'm growing my hair. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. and I know, I've been to see them a few times, and I, I genuinely think for the first hour, they are the greatest band you'll ever see live. I did find by the time we got to the two-hour mark, I was like, yeah, okay, lads, you know, yeah, find the other chord now, please. <laughs> but actually, for the first hour, they were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, they, were the, they were the first, second, and third band I ever saw. Because um, once, I'd say, I saw them at the NEC when I was 11, and then... Uh, my uncle, who was a big Quo fan, sort of got wind that I liked them. So he said, right, well, the next tour, they're playing Telford Ice Rink. So I said, right, let's go to that. Telford um, Ice Rink? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, just one of them bizarre gigs. Covered over the ice and put a gig on. Um, and uh, the support band came on and, and did the thing and went off. Uh, support band, this is how nerdy I am, were called Little Egypt. And I believe that was Francis Ross's one son was in that band. Mm. Um and when they went off and they were doing the changeover, my uncle said, "Come on, right, come on," because he, he he was a big he'd been to Reading Festival and and done done loads of gigs as a, as a thing. And we pushed right the way to the front, and we got against the barrier, and we were underneath Rick Parfit, and they came on and uh, opened with Caroline, or no, in fact they opened with Paper Plane, and uh, wow. Rick Parfit, yeah, which was a complete you know this is like curveball quove never opened with Paper Plane, but they did mm. at Telford, and uh, Rick Parfit was literally. You know, three foot from us, above us, swinging the Telecaster over our heads while he was playing the intro to Paper Plane. It's like, oh man, this is the greatest, the greatest job in the world. I have to do this. <laughs> and uh, and then as he kept doing it, as the gig went on, then Roadhouse Blues they did, and there was like thirteen or fourteen minutes of Roadhouse Blues, and he just he came on, and he was shaking his head, and his, and his sweat was dripping on us, and I was just like, this is this is the thing, this is for me. You know, <laughs> schoolwork out of the window. Forget that. This is it. And I, I always remember they had grey marshals. Uh, they had all all the back line was grey. And I thought, well, they must be something if they, if their amps aren't black and they're they they they've they're cool enough to have grey grey cabs. They're uh, <laughs> they're the boys. Uh, uh, I went. Um, go, go on, on, sorry. No, no, no. And then the third time um, was Hereford Leisure Centre. The, the the tour after that. <laughs> just, just, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. All, all all the great gig meccas <laughs> I've, I've been to. Let me tell you. <laughs> wow. I, I went to see my mate um, used to do um, the merch for them okay. and um, invi- invited me along to the NEC and in- invited me uh, backstage. Um, and it was the it was the tour where they got all the white cabs rather oh, yeah. than the grey. No longer black or grey, they come completely white. But what was really funny when you're backstage at the NEC is there's not a huge amount of um, glamour backstage, is there? Ever no, and no. Um, they got those um, mobile. Uh, we bought one when we moved house, and we hadn't got any wardrobes. They're kind of like from Argus. They're like two metal bars and one across the top, and they're on wheels, sort of thing. Every and what was amazing? Had one. Uh, what was amazing though was it was literally white shirts, <laughs> the same blue denim jeans, yeah. and then. Endless pairs of white trainers underneath. That's it. And and they 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 have an assistant who irons them before every gig. Because <laughs> years later, um, which was you know like a, a great moment for me because I coveted that uh, green Telecaster and that white mm. that were the green the, you know Rick and Francis Tellys. Um, and years later, I was doing a gig. I, I was working for a band called It Bites. Remember the, the, oh yeah, the, yeah, uh, the Frank Stunnery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Fra- Frank wasn't with them at that point, but um, it was a reformed. It was everybody bar Frank. 
um, and they did is another great uh, gig venue for you, Whitehaven Rugby Club. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they, we uh, it bites for supporting them there, and uh, Quo obviously we, we we were there all day, and they set up all the amps, and it was it was the, the white background, so I had to go and say, oh hello, can I have a look? I'm with I'm with the support, but I'm a big fan. So um, their tech, um, oh, it was a lovely guy whose name I've I've forgotten, unfortunately, Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd showed me around the backline, and uh, what was interesting was. Of all those white marshals, half of them were lights uh, in the in the cabs. So that only half of them were amps, half of them were lights. Um, and then behind the all that stack of amps were two AC30s in cabs, which were just flat out. And they were mic'd up in isolation cabs. And so half the quo sound is marshal and half of it was these voxes that the front house engineer would mix the two right. sounds and, and get, the, get the quo guitar sound. Which, was, so, which for, for a nerd like myself was was incredible. Have you ever seen uh, Have you ever seen Quo at a venue where they didn't normally just play sport? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, yes, Wolf, uh, Wolf Civic. I saw the Frantic Four tour twice. Um, right. so, oh, I bet so, that was amazing. Uh, it, you know what? It was the first one because um, they did it twice because I believe Francis didn't think it was good enough the first time, mm. um, and. As far as I'm aware, it was John Coglin was struggled with it a bit because I mean it's a tough gig. I mean, in my opinion, quo. I mean those shuffles mm. and you know it's everybody you know derides them for for the the three chord thing um, and you know and the shuffles, but it's a tough tough gig, you know. And, and Francis and Rick had, were, were at that point sort of six months on the road, six months off, whereas John Coglin was only doing you know sort of weekends here and there. And then to expect him to come straight into a tour and and yeah, be yeah. Uh, you know be be gig fit, I think was a bit of a tall order. So it was the first gig you could feel he was a bit he was, he was sort of lagging behind a bit, and the, and the front of the house guy would push the guitars a bit to keep the keep the momentum because obviously Rick and Francis' rhythm was so good. Um, but then the second time I saw them, they were just on fire, and it was it was one of those things when they, when they they started and you sort of dun, 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 then then you just see the room just the whole the, in unison just start moving up and down and and that that was that's the shivers down the spine moment really i, I was so i was so pleased to see um see you know the original four yeah i, I, I mean i i genuinely i i often say this i if they'd have finished when john coglin left i think they'd be as revered as a hard rock band as um you know, as ACDC or, or, or you know, or Sabbath or anyone. Mm. I really do. I think those early albums were incredible. But then it sort of dwindled a little bit. And then sort of from the 80s onwards, it, it sort of diluted or it got diluted a little bit. And it became, I mean, they, Rick Parfit used to call it Panto Quo, didn't he, towards the end? Um, yeah, I but, mean, at but, that the Margarita time when you're in the army now, just I was, I was kind of done at yeah. that point. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think... I mean, the, I, on the level and and albums like that, you know, I think are just just incredible. It's just mm. such good. and 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 when it's 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 good when you you come to try and learn it, and then you realise that there's loads of open tunings and capos and different things, and you think, yeah. ah, this is this sounds simple, but it's far from it. You know, it's it's not at all. Which you, you know. and, and it's Rick's right hand. It's yeah. just metronomic, isn't it? It's yeah. just oh, incredible. I think he's fourteen. So I think where his um where his gauge. And he said you could you could drop the yeah you could drop the guitar and it would just wouldn't I mean heavier than acoustic stuff I mean and he had a yeah. he had a, a rapper he changed the Telly Bridge for like a rap over Gibson style 
Um, and he just used to hammer it. I think his, yeah. his other little trick was to put a um, a Lego tire off a Lego wheel on his volume knob, so he could so it gave him more traction. And his picks, <laughs> he, I, I, uh, Lloyd gave me a pick actually. It was, it was one of these red picks, and he used to put um, four braddle marks in it. So there was a spike, so Rick could hold it because he was hit, thrashing it so hard that if he, if he didn't have these grips, the thing would fly out of his hands. So he just just you know thrashing it. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. God bless him. God rest his soul. What a, what a man. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this this evening's episode of Status Quo. <laughs> yeah, um, Status Quo fan club. Sorry. So, how do you get from Status Quo to being a tech then for its bites and so on? Well, I. Uh, I was I was in bands obviously from that moment on just just trying for years and years and years um, and it, I just fell into it really I was I was in a band and we, we were doing quite well and then uh, just lulls in between tour in between our own tours and I didn't you know didn't have a, a job because we were we were we were touring a lot um, and then a friend of mine said oh well, could you come out and help um, help with this band and funny funny enough my first ever tech gig. Was uh, you know, and this is this is what it all seems to happen with me. In in at the deep end thing, my first ever tech gig was download main stage on a Sunday morning with a band called Society One, and they were really really heavy. But the whole reason they were playing the main stage is because the singer did the whole set um, suspended from the stage with four meat hooks in his back. Nice, uh, yeah, and uh, it's, it's, they're an American band, and, and that, that was the whole their whole thing. And, and not only that, did they put these four hooks literally just bare chested shirt off, and and they had this this surgical guy come in and, and insert these hooks in his back, and then they lifted him up on the on the truss. Uh, not only did they lift it once he was up, he started singing, and obviously it was like you know it was sort of real heavy metal, uh, you know, sort of death, screaming stuff. Um, they started swinging him into the audience, so so it's on video somewhere. Uh, yeah, and we had, we had our own little um, isolated port cabin at the back, to, kept at a certain temperature because because you know to keep his skin supple and what have you. And it was, uh, and then he, he came off, and they had to take these hooks out, and that was the thing. Wow! So that was my that was my first tech gig, and then then we it, it was a little bit more sedate after that. <laughs> <laughs> Then I ended up doing a gig with Alphabet, so you know, from uh, from one extreme to the other. <laughs> so, so you, so you, tech, how long did you tech for? Well, on and off for fifteen years, really. The the next band I did was, um, funny, it was the Yo Yos and Three Colors Red. See, um, I am a massive Yo Yos fan. Yeah, I, me too. I, I loved the Yo Yos. I mean, it all went a bit wrong at the end. Yes, but yeah. But you know, I don't need you. I've got my big shoes and tattoos. Pretty much summed up everything I loved about music. It was yeah. they were just so much fun. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were a wonderful, wonderful band, and and, and I became good friends with with Tom Spencer years later. Um, well, from that tour onwards, really, it's been been a great band. We've we've played together for for many years. Um, but I, yeah, I, that that album for me was you know at the time was was everything it meant, meant the world to me that record i thought it was just wonderful the massive mm. guitars massive harmonies great hooks it was just it was perfect yeah it was i still get out and play it you know every now and again now mm. and it must it must be god what 20 years old now it's, or something uh i think it was 20 years last year wasn't it which wow. is insane and, and uh, i mean i love three colors red as well um they were just a great band that 
never really got their due. I don't think. No. They no, used to. Do, do, do you know their song "Cancel the Exhibition"? It's on the second album. I know. I used to play that through the PA when I was doing <laughs> um, my event at the NEC when we were on build-up day, and no one really ever noticed. <laughs> oh, really? Great. <laughs> Uh, so, so you, you kind of you do the tech in. You're in your band. You're in a band called the Misers. Is yeah, that- yes. Um, so the Misers was was one band. I, I seem to be, I've been in a lot of bands um, with bizarre names. A little bit, really. So the Misers, we did we did a, um, put out an album. Did a couple of tours with the Proclaimers, um, uh, which was pretty. Yeah, it was it was good. The Misers, and then that. Just trying to think of the timeline. That morphed into well that that finished then and uh, there was a band called Stone Mountain Sinners which was um just myself and then and uh, Sarah War- the Sarah Warren band were a band from Worcester which which uh, Nick and Sarah joined that band and and then that was um we had that up until 18 months ago really when when it all sort of it all finished um but again americana stuff you know that sort of thing yeah yeah i do I- I do remember listening to some stuff. I think you posted on the fretboard forum. Does anybody know anybody that can mix country? Mm. Years ago, and I kind of responded with, "Yeah, I recommend Dan at Mushroom Studios in Birmingham, opposite PMT." Oh, okay, right. Only I because he'd, he'd recorded some of my stuff. Yes, because you you have done something similar, haven't you? Yeah, oh, it's just it's just that you know. What's that song? The the Ryan Adams lyric, well, Whiskey Town lyric. I started. I started this country band because punk rock was too hard to sing. And, then, <laughs> and I just kind of went, yeah, I get that as I'm getting a bit older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit so. more sedate than it is. It's a, a nice pace, a nice pace of things. So I suppose we should kind of get on then to, so you've you've done lots of tech and you've been in lots of bands and then you start, obviously, on guitars. Yeah, well, I was I was with a band, um, I was with a band called The 1975. Um, yeah. And I did the first eighteen months of their career with them, and they were they were just such a great. It, it was it was a real nice story with them because they were um, lads from school. They'd known each other since they were nine and ten, you know, and and formed a band in this in the school music room, and then just taking it through loads of different bands and and you know loads of rejection, what have you, and then eventually got a, a foothold and, and became the nineteen seventy five, and and it it literally took off, and we went from. We went from sort of four in a room to set, you know seven in a splitter bus, sharing hotel rooms in in the middle of Europe, um, you know all together to private jets within eighteen months. So wow. it, it was it was yeah it was it was, it was a meteoric rise and we and we did we did loads of, we were, well we went we went around the world twice, and I think it was the the time that I was with them they were named the hardest working band uh, in mileage um, mm-hmm. throughout the world. With flights and what have you, I mean, it was it was it was insane, really. It was it was it was it was great to do, but it was insane. And it got to the point um, after eighteen months where where they were still doing so well that um, that the management said, right, well, we're going to go around again because we need to keep you know keep the momentum and capitalize on it. And at that point, I had to say, look, I've got a wife, I've got a, a young son who's I think he was three at the time. You know, if I look at the schedule, I can get home <coughs> twice in three months to see him. You know, and that's not, that's not yeah. on really. I mean, my wife, you you won't find anybody more supportive, you know, and, and and my son as well. But you know, if I'm off for six or eight months of the year, it's 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 not really, no. you know, not really conducive to 
to family life. So, so I made the tough decision. I thought, well, I'll um, I'll stop teching, and then I thought, well, what can I do? Um, and I, sort of in between tours, in between in tech stuff, I I always sort of worked on building sites and things like that as well, um, just to you know keep keep doing something. And a friend of mine happened to get in touch and said, oh well, I make um, Scandinavian style wooden holiday lodges, uh, and I need somebody to come and help me do that. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, great, exactly. I'd love to do that. And so, so I started working for him, and we and we made these like these holiday lodges, you know, um, sort of modular stuff with with big uh, Douglas fir balconies and things. And it was it was really interesting, and I just I did I I really adored working with wood um, at that point. And uh, I was cut. Yeah, so th- th- this, there is a story to this. It's not. It's not. This isn't. This isn't uh, Neil Lives and This Is Your Life. Honestly, I am. I'm getting. <laughs> you will find I do get to the point eventually. Um, so uh, I was coming home from work one evening, and. Uh, I came around this corner and this van was coming the other way on my side of the road. He was overtaking somebody else and uh, it just came straight towards me and it was a head-on thing and I turned the wheel left as he turned the wheel left and the mirrors clipped each other and it was it was that close to a, it, it would have been it would, we would have both been instantly killed because he was going at a fair rate and I, I wasn't mm. uh, I wasn't hanging around either. Um, and it was one of those things where I got home and, and any excuse to buy a guitar, I just thought, well, I could have been killed there and I've never had a 59 Gibson uh, Les Paul Jr. Uh, so I'm going to go and buy one. So the next day I went and found one online and said, right, I'm having that because I could have died yesterday. <laughs> so so I did. So I bought I bought this mint, um, this mint 59 Jr. And I loved it. It was great. But it was so mint and so um perfect that it was it wasn't fun to own because i mm. was scared to death that if it was on a stand that my you know my lad would, at the time was just toddling he might have knocked it over accidentally or um, you know if i'd taken it out to a gig i wouldn't leave it in the gig i'd have to you know just keep it with me or take it to the take it into another room where we were going or somebody would would knock it over at a gig and and and, and you go on holiday and then you have to get it insured again and you're worried that somebody's going to nick it so it was just a worry so I thought, well, what, what can I do? And then I thought, well, why don't I make one? Why don't I have a go at making one? And so I, uh, I just, I, I pulled all these YouTube videos together, and there was a couple of sort of online courses I did. And uh, I thought, well, I'll set about making as close a junior as I can to that one, and then mm. that'll be that'll be the um, that'll be it. So, so I did. I'd, I'd already got my own headstock design, which used to be a, a little um, half penny, eightpenny coin. And uh, I made it, and uh, I was I was really quite chuffed with it. I thought, yeah, this is you know, this is I, I you know did everything exactly as it was. The the cavities were were millimeter specific, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, and I I used that, and I thought, great. So then I sold the the fifty nine, and then a couple of ma- you know, friends of mine, oh, who's, is it? oh, I've made this. Oh, can you make me one? Yeah, I'll make you one. So I made them one, and then oh, a mate of mine's played mine, and he, he realised, so can you make him one? And and yeah, so. <laughs> It's it's it started out as this this sort of hobby thing and, and just sort of making it for mates and then before long I thought well hang about this is you know this, this I could if I you know a leap of faith but I could possibly do um, you know make guitars and and do guitar repairs instead obviously but with my background being in touring as well and I'd I'd been leap, you know uh, maintaining guitars for for years around the world I thought well I could. Uh, a bit of a leap of faith, and 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 uh, I'll I'll set set up Iverson Guitars, which is which is basically where we 
where we started. And we had a little prefab garage at the end of our drive, and so I, I set up in there and haven't really looked back. When I got made redundant from the NEC 11 years ago, and I'd got, um, naively, I'd got my redundancy pay, and I was like, I'm going to invest this, and I'm going to do something with it, rather mm-hmm. than actually what I did do was live on it until the guitar show started paying me a decent enough salary. But... Um, I, I I love um, fifty nine double cuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I just love them because I'm a massive Johnny Thunders fan when I was growing yeah. up, and it was like the problem I've got is that I'm six foot two and they look like toys on me. Um, but I love the sound of them and I love I love playing them and, and stuff. And at the time, so eleven years ago, you couldn't buy a junior for love no money anywhere. No. Uh, Gibson weren't doing them unless they were custom shop, and like that's kind of like a weird thing for gibson to do i think so i I'd, I'd done tons of research and i was going to get them made in the um world guitar factory in um korea okay and uh but ultimately it came down to are you prepared to put practically all of your redundancy money into having to buy their minimum <laughs> shipment yeah. load of them and it was like this is all very well, but where do i store that many guitars mm. <laughs> and and so um in the end i kind of bottled it but there, there was like a massive gap in the market and i think even some of the sort of when gibson was it 2015 gibson started issuing them again but they they did that weird really wide neck thing yeah, on them that's right and it just it doesn't feel right so you know it came as no surprise actually that your juniors kind of took off because it was a real demand in the market for them and and you kind of filled that and i suppose and then it goes on doesn't it because what what came next? Was it the hurricane that came next? Yeah, well, well I, I, it, I've always loved, you know, for me personally, I've always loved single pickup guitars, you know, Esquires, Juniors. Um, it's specials to a point, but obviously they're, they're two pickup. But um, yeah, so it's, I, I, well, if, I'll tell you what, where it came from is the, um, I was doing the Juniors and, and my whole thing was to try and get them as, as accurate as possible. Mm. Um, you know, in replica in every, in every sense, apart from the headstock, obviously. Um, and and I thought, well, you know, this is this is quite, a, you know, and I enjoy this, and and it's, you know, it's it's I'm earning a living doing it. Um, and then it was, you know, it was that play authentic thing Gibson came out with, you know, yeah. which which was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit clunky the way it was delivered. But <laughs> to be honest with you, I I I heard it and thought they've got a point, you know, I I I'm, I can't disagree with this, you know, they've got mm. a point, so. I thought, well, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to shake the, the cage or, you know, kick the wasp nest. So I thought, well, what? let, let me see if I can do my own thing. So mm. literally the, the, the same night I just sat up late one night with a bit of paper and, and said, well, I want, you know, I want a classic 50s Les Paul shape, but how can I make it my own? Um, yeah. And came up with the, with the Hurricane, which was, um, you know, sort of essentially uh, 50s Les Paul shape with a different cutaway. Um, and, and a new headstock design, which was because that's always the sticking point with with guitar guitar design, as you as you know, you know the headstock's got to yeah. be right because guitarists are so traditional in in their uh, in their um, uh, what's it, not views rather. So uh, I was I was looking to her, I thought, what can I do with this? And I saw a picture of Marilyn Monroe, and she which I is my she, she's my favourite fifties pinup. I think she's gorgeous. Um, and she happened to be looking over her shoulder, and just the shape of her shoulders and the way her hips came down, I just traced over it, 
and just and moved it around enough so it looked like a guitar headstock and I was like that'll do <laughs> and so that's where the headstock shape came from right um, and then so yeah so the hur- and the hurricane actually I had a I had a 56 um, special in uh, for repair and uh, it had had the um, it had the bridge P90 taken out of it and there was a PAF humbucker in it mm. and uh I've I'd always been you know dead against that like oh that sacrilege to take out a bridge P90 and put a humbucker in that's that's that I dreadful you know and uh, I played it and it just sounded bloody great and I was like hang on hang on I'm you know I've I've been an idiot here um, and sure enough so I thought well I'll, I'll, the hurricane then will have a, hum, a humbucker in the bridge and a P90 in the neck um, but mm. with the, with just with the simple simplified junior controls the volume and tone and uh, and we'll go for that, and and that's how that one came about. And then what's next? Was it the Fillmore that came? Yeah, after so that? The, so the Fillmore was um, essentially a uh, the coronet shape um, based on the Dwight coronet, actually, which uh, was Steve Marriott's uh, guitar in Humble Pie. Wasn't the, was the Dwight? Was that like a store built? Yeah, uh, is that the story of the Dwight? Yeah, that's it. The, the Dwight was a brand name for it was the store was something like Sunny Shields or something, which I imagine was was that the U.S. equivalent of Woolworths or something like that. Right. Okay. And and Dwight became a a, a brand name of 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 them, um, mm. and they, and they sort of built under that. And then Epiphone obviously was a, was a different thing entirely, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm a massive Steve Marriott fan as well, um, Humble Pie, and so that was the film was was solely as a tribute to to Steve Marriott, really. Um, which I've I've done I've done a few, but um, they, they it's uh, it, it's it, it's a funny shape the the coronet, which is actually as I, I'm sure you probably know this. If you look at a Telecaster and you flip a Telecaster, it's exi- the the bottom horn of a Tele, it's it's that literally right, okay. in. in uh, Mirrored, what it mirrored, yeah, mirrored. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I so, really so that was that. that was the one, and, and that that sort of because I I did the first one in a uh, in a shoreline gold, which, as mm. opposed to the cherry, which 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 was a, a big departure for me because I'm very traditionalist in in my views. But I thought no, I'm going to do something because it was for the guitar show. In fact, I thought well, I'll I'll just do something that hopefully you know catches the eye, and uh, and sure enough, it did, and that sort of you know brought attention to the brand a little bit more than uh, than I'd, I'd expected really which which was you know which was awesome yeah because Andy the guitar geek did a video with it didn't he that's right yeah 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 nice guy yeah lovely guy and I suppose and then that leads us up to date with the Dakota mm. yeah well this what that has, has been a um a, a revelation I mean it, it basically again I I was looking around for a um I've, I'd always loved Firebird. I'd loved Alan Collins from Linda Skinnerd, um, Johnny Winter, obviously, and um, Mick Ralphs uh, mm. had a had a, uh, a Firebird one in Mott for a while, and it was you know that real raunchy telly thing they do. Um, but I mean, just for me, I mean, I, I'm a as you, much as you said with, with, you, with yourself with a DC Junior, you have to know. I mean, I would I would love to think. That a, that a Firebird and a Flying V looked amazing on me. However, in <laughs> in reality <laughs> and in in front of a mirror, I would look like a complete turd. And I'm 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 quite happy to admit that to myself and and you know and to anyone else. So um, it essentially came from the thinking. Well, you know, I can't be the only one that finds a Firebird quite unwieldy. 
unwieldy mm. rather because um, you know with, with the neck balance issues as well because I funny enough I was down at ATB guitars um, before Christmas last year and they had a they had a, a, a beautiful cardinal red three pickup uh, with a vibrola mm. in there and I tried that and it was it was beautiful and I was talking to him and as I was talking to him it slipped off my lap and I caught it just before the headstock dived into the floor <laughs> and I looked at the price tag and I did a little wee um, but that's by the by it was, that was probably the, the, the most uh, profitable save I've ever done um, but and I thought well the, surely I can address this somehow and then I it's funny enough Stu from Sunbear who uh, who makes all my pickups wines all my pickups for me great great guy mm. you know he's he's as nerdy as I am um, in in regards to tone and I'm sure he, he he would take that as a compliment as it's as it is meant to be um he said to me he said I've got these uh sunbird my take on firebird pickups he said I think you'll love these uh and I said well I, okay um I've got nothing to put them in but leave it with me and I'll see what I can come up with and then that's that sort of started the thing well let's let me try and see if I can make something firebird-esque that suits mm. a Les Paul player, or or at least a, or a single cut player, then, um, or somebody who who doesn't want the big, big body or the or the the neck, you know, the neck dive thing, but still has that Firebird sound. And so again, just sat up late one night and, and with a few parts and and sort of placed them out and and thought, well, yeah, this will this will work. Um, and it's that has has just taken off, unbelievably. Uh, you know, it's people have. Yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 it, it, I'm amazed by the reaction. Which I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled by the reaction, but also amazed. But and we, we were looking at your, your website uh, beforehand, and uh, so I really like it in Pelham Blue, but Ant really likes it in the sort of like traditional um, tobacco. Is it tobacco burst? Wait, it's wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Um, and it, it, when Ant said, you know, what have you done this week? And I've bought some new pickups. I've actually bought some Firebird pickups. I got them from Asher oil city i've got I, I need to show you this um i, I don't think ant's ever seen this guitar before I, I, i'm aware that it doesn't work on a podcast but i have this guitar <laughs> oh nice yeah it's, it's classy isn't it very yeah. very classy it's a it's a bc rich eagle yeah um, finished in leopard print uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I know a fellow, um, and I've got a guitar here, which I'll, I'll perhaps I'll show you once we've finished. Um, that wants me to do to get it f- finished in leopard print, exactly like that. I'm sure you can. Uh-huh. You know who I'm talking about, and in fact, it's it's that guitar as well. I think. What, what's that? What what model is that? It's the BC Rich Eagle. The Eagle. I'm sure it's probably the same one. Well, the, the reason why it's the same is the one that Paul Stanley played on the Creatures of the Night. It'll be the tour. same one then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and. Uh, it's got EMGs in it uh, because when I had it built, well, I say had it built, had it customised, mm-hmm. I put the EMGs in and I realised I don't actually like EMGs, but I wanted to keep the aesthetic of the flat black pickups, no screws or anything. Um, and I love my um, non-reverse Firebird mm-hmm. uh, and I love the sound of it, but like I say, it is a big, unwieldy kind of beast. Yeah. Um but Ash does humbucker-sized, flat black Firebird pickups. And I was like, that's oh, going to sound amazing. Yeah, great. In them. So, uh, yep, ordered them this week. They are on their way. Oh, good um, man. Uh, but if you need to uh, see this guitar, I'll bring it down to you. Okay. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, I, I, 
I'll grab this one I've got here. I love the fact, Jace, that you're really so concerned about the aesthetics of the pickups in that particular guitar. <laughs> in the Leopard guitar, as if the pickups are going to make any difference. Yeah, they've got to be flat. They've got to have no screws in them. It's got to be, they've got to be flat black. And it's like, yeah, I think you're missing the point a little bit here. You've got a guitar oh, yeah. that looks like Theresa May's heels. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, I, so there is a story behind that guitar. So um, scroll back three or four years ago and uh it's coming up to nam time but we are moving house in i don't know a month's time sort of thing so i'm half kind of dismantling um bookcases and stuff like that before i get on the plane and go to nam and i find when i'm dismantling bookcases and so on and putting putting stuff in boxes the kiss um lick it up tour program from 1983 when i went to see him at the very glamorous Stafford Bingley Hall. And, I, I you know, because you, you pick these things up and you just flick through them, don't you? I and mean, I looked at this thing for like 20 odd years. And in the back of it, it's like Paul Stanley uses BC Rich guitars because he wants the best. And I laughed because it said there, send off for a BC Rich catalogue. But in 1983, you know, I'm 12, maybe 13, depending on where it was in the year. And... BC Rich guitars are handmade US guitars. And I had no idea. I thought they were probably going to cost me 200 quid. Of course, this catalogue comes through from the States like six months later. And they're like $3,000. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it ain't going to happen. So so I've packed this up. I don't think any more of it. But I go to Nam and I'm coming back from Nam. And I'm sat on the plane next to Martin, who's the MD of Rossetti in the UK. And the UK distributors for BC Rich. And and I'm laughing and telling him this story. And he went, oh, what model was it? And I said, oh, it was a an eagle. He went, oh, we make those in Indonesia now. They're like 250 quid. But no it, won't be, it won't be that if you want to buy one. I'll do you one at cost price. So he gave me a price. I won't tell people because it would just upset people how little I paid for this guitar. Um, so I was like, do we take cash now? Uh, so it turned off a week later, and they, they are just black rather mm. than leopard print. Then roll on to the guitar show, and I'm I'm yakking with uh, Martin Sims of Sims Custom and telling him, and he went, I can do it in leopard print for you. Uh, it turns out that he did a Gretsch for Amy Winehouse in leopard print, and uh, <laughs> and he got enough left to do one more guitar. So me and Amy Winehouse have got that leopard print. Well, no way. just me, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Yeah. I, I, I've got to say, Jase, whatever you paid, however embarrassing you think that figure is, I still think you might have overpaid, mate. <laughs> no, look at it. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm saying Don't nothing because I've got... I've got a, I've got a customer here who, who wants that exact uh, color scheme, which I've I've got to do. So, yeah, I can, I can say nothing. <laughs> and, and he's a dear friend of mine too. So, <laughs> so I suppose that brings us on to um, what you're up to now, not as a guitar builder, but as a guitar player. Yeah, well, it's 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 all come at once, really. Um, obviously, with with the guitar making um, and what have you, I've literally. Uh, last week moved into a, a new workshop, um, which is four times the size of my old one, so I can hopefully 
you know streamline and and cope with what with what I'm building. Um, and then uh, I'm very lucky to have a rehearsal room next door, and uh, we've been in rehearsal um, with my current band, which is Ginger Wild Heart and the Sinners, um, for our next album and uh, summer festivals. Well, so is this another album? Have we got one to come out and then another one being written? Uh, yeah, so one's, one is in the can, ready, already done, and there's half. Uh, the second one is halfway through. Now I know you're you're a big ginger fan, Jace. Um, but do you, do you want the do you want the, the the story of how it all came about, or, or you, have yeah, I yeah. told you that? No, no, go for well, it. Well, uh, basically, I got an email one day from uh, Ginger Wilder, who you know I knew of him because uh, I'd had Earth Versus when when I was a kid. You know, I mean, yeah. any self-respecting rock fan in That's the nineties. Ter- it's terrible, isn't it? That when you were a kid, I had it when I was an adult. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was a, a big kid, a big kid. Um, so, so I'd got that, and then, and then, you know, I'd sort of, I'd lost track with 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 what what they were doing, and that was that. Um, and so, but he, he was one of those guys where you know, on Facebook, you he's one of those people you've got fifty mutual friends, but you've never met. And, mm. and every time you look, oh, you, you know, load, you know him, and you don't. Oh, have you ever met him? Oh, no, we've never, you know, we've never crossed paths. Um, and so, uh, so this email came through, and he just said, "I've heard your album, um, your Stone Mountain Sinners album. I, I, I really like it. Um, I'm, I'd love to do something similar. Would you, would you fancy doing an album with me? Just that. It was just a, um, if you're interested, let me know. I, I'd love to work with you. So." I contacted the rest of the, of the band at the time and said, what do you think? And Nick, the bass player, was like, well, yeah, I'm in. And uh, the rest of the band said, well, to be honest, we haven't got the time to commit to anything else because, you know, we, we're obviously, we've got, we're sensible and we've got proper jobs, um, whereas you mess around <laughs> with guitars all the time. And, uh, yeah. and I said, well, that's fair enough. I, I completely understand. Um, so I, I just got back to him and said, yeah, we'll do it. And he said, okay. Um, and, it, and then it just this bizarre chain of events. He just said, well, um, okay, I'll... Um, I'll get I get my manager to um to email you some dates. Uh, I'll book a studio. Um, no, sorry, so so I'll give you a ring. Sorry, so okay, brilliant. Uh, this this sounds great. I'll give you a ring. Anyway, he rang me up and we just had this we had this chat and it was it was one of those conversations where I just felt like we were we were both talking to to somebody we've known for years. Uh, and he said, "Well, I'd like to do a band which which is marries Credence and the band because uh, one of my favourite bands is Status Quo um, and you know uh, and uh, Georgia Satellites." And I said to him, "Well, I'd like to do a band which is, uh, marries the band and Credence because my one of my favourite bands is Status Quo and the Georgia Satellites." Yeah, and it was just like, "What? No, you as well? This is crazy." So uh, he said, "Okay." Well, he said, um, and he said, "You know what? This conversation couldn't gone uh, couldn't have gone better if I'd have planned it myself." And I said, "Well, that's a good I, start." I, I would really like to know where my email was because I love all of those too. Well, there you go. There you go. Just <laughs> luck of the draw, I suppose. <laughs> and so, so, so then he said, "Well, um, we'll we'll book a studio." Um, and this was before I sort of realised how prolific he was. So we'll book a studio. I'll write the I'll write the uh, write some songs for the album, um, and I'll see you there. And you know, it was one of those. It was that simple. And I thought I rang Nick and said, "I, I'm not sure if this is a wind-up, because it's not this easy." You know, just spoke mm. to the guy. He loves all the stuff we love. He's booking the studio. He's going to write seven songs for a ten, a ten out, ten, uh, ten song, a ten track album. Uh, he says we're going to write the rest together when we're in the studio. And and he's booking the dates. And he's like, "Well, 
in for a penny, in for a pound, was just see, weren't we? So, sure enough, um, the songs come through on email, and, and they did just. I I'd, I'd not realised how prolific he was, and and it, it wasn't till we started working together I went back through his back catalogue of all because I had no idea about any, any of the solo mm. albums, you know, and and how diverse they all are. And it's just yeah. just you know just a, such a, a great great you know great great songwriter. Um, so we we you know we went down to the studio without um, not knowing what to expect, having never met him. Um, you know, he, he, he just came down with with him and his dog Maggie, and uh, we got in the studio in the studio and we sort of set up. and said, right, should we go to the pub then? Because if we don't get <laughs> if we don't get on, there's no point in uh, being in a band together, is there? Great idea. So we went to the pub and we just got absolutely hammered. And uh, and that was that's, and it's been that way ever since. <laughs> and the, the, the next day we 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 went in and we we did we sort of flashed a couple of goes through, the, through this one track and said, "Oh well, let's go and, let's go and have a listen and see what it sounds like." And uh, we went in, and it was it's the most bizarre thing because I because I've always generally been the only guitar player in a band, um, mm. and I and I've always been you know a little bit worried about playing with other players in case I overplay to try and you know feel like the sound too much or whatever yeah, yeah and uh, we went in and we both stood there and you could only hear one guitar and we've we said well hang about it. where's the other guitar and dave the the producer said, oh, are you there. recording with dave draper are you yeah yeah who's he's based you know, in worcester isn't he yeah well he's, he's got a studio um in eversham now um oh, right, but he's, okay. yeah but he's, he's been around for years i've known dave for 20 mm. 20 years plus he's a great great guy um and he said, "Well, they're both in there." I said, "Well, they're they're playing the same thing. This is impossible." And so we had to split them left, hard left, hard right. You know, like the Angus Malcolm thing. Mm. And sure enough, the guitars were just completely, you know, doing the same thing. And and he said, "Well, you must have been listening to exactly the same records that I was listening to while you were learning to play guitar to play like this." <laughs> and so we've got this great sort of Mick and Keith. You know, we call it the weaving thing, where yeah, um, the ancient art of weaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, but we, 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 it's, it's that whole thing where we never overplay each other. Um, you know, or <clears throat> we we're, we're always um, just playing enough, but it's still you know never getting in each other's way. And so we we christened ourselves in honor of of the the mighty quo rocket and parsley. We thought, well, it, you know, this is a bit <laughs> like uh, Rossi and Parfit. We like, we'll, we'll we'll be rocket and parsley. So. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that that was it, and then you know, it, as it, as it, as we found out in Ginger World, everything moves so fast. It just I happened to be looking on Twitter, um, like the third day we're in, and he tweeted, "Oh, I'm having a great time in the studio. We're going on tour in November." So I shouted to Nick. I said, "What?" I said, "Nick, what are you doing in November?" He said, "Why?" I said, "We're going on tour," <laughs> and so <laughs> so we went on tour, and uh, we had a wonderful time. And then uh, yeah, uh, other things other things happened, and and. But all good. But I, I, I cannot say anything any more than that. I probably said too much. But uh, okay. the, the uh, um, yeah, I don't know what I've said. But I, it's it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just gonna be uh, just finding the time for it. But but we're gonna do it, and it's gonna be great. And we've got a couple of really nice festivals this year as well, which which would be good. Just, uh, yeah, just you're playing announced. Black Deer, aren't you? And yeah, Black Deer and, and Beautiful Days just announced today, which yeah, wouldn't be another good that. one. Yeah. I think that probably brings it up to date. I suppose the, the final question is, when is the album that's in the can out? Uh, that, <laughs> I'm not a liberty to say. Okay. Just yet, mm. unfortunately. 
Uh, well, I, I, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't know what I can say. Is is um, so? I'll say nothing. That soon. That's it's out soon. Soonish. Soonish. That, yeah. 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 Um, not till. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm allowed to say. I've never been in this position before. I'll, t- I'll tell you anything, but I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm legally. I'm obliged to say. Let's so, we won't ask you any more questions. Let's leave yes. it there. But, no more questions, my lad. No further questions. Let's, let's leave it there. And while we're wrapping up mysteries, um, mm. Jace, if if Ginger has any knowledge of that leopard skin guitar, that's the reason why you've never had the call. No, I reckon Ginger will love this guitar. He would cover that guitar off you uh, within a second. Shall, shall I? Shall I go and grab what I've got here? Yes. Um, well, yeah. Well, I, let's wrap yeah. up first, shall we? we yeah, shall we wrap uh, up? Well, we need to mention Focus Right. We do. I was going to say we need to um, say our thank yous again to Focus Right. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, yeah. Again, this has been recorded on a Focus Right two hundred two. Do you own anything Focus Right, Neil? I do. Yeah. Um, I've got a great. I've got a two hundred two as well. Brilliant thing. My microphone's cutting out for some bizarre reason. Don't say that now. After, yeah, after what we've definitely just said, not. Don't say that now. Yeah, definitely nothing not to, to do with uh, your preamp. With, no, yes. it's not. It's, it's ah. nothing to do with the preamp. I think it's to do with the microphone. All right, okay, fine. I, I can hear a little bit of a crackle, but we'll we'll leave that to one side. Uh, Neil, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for for finding the time. It's been lovely to meet no, you. No, well, th- thank you very much. I, I'm, it's, a, it's been an honour to do one of these. I've never done it before, and it's it's been it's been a real pleasure. Thank cool. you. Cool. Thank you. No problem. You take care, Jace. I'll see you next time. And thanks for everyone for listening. And yet again, thanks to Focus Right for the continued support. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.